Hey everybody, and welcome to the Healing Circle Podcast, a space for conversation, education, and meditation about all things faith, relationships, and mental health. I'm your host, Kobe Campbell, and I'm a licensed therapist here in North Carolina. Whether you are here to heal, to grow, or to learn, we got something just for you. So let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Today, we have a really awesome person with us, someone I admire very deeply, Perrine DeShield. Perrine, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hello, hello. My name is Perrine DeShield. I am a marketer, a podcaster, and I like to say style mentor, and sometimes that's a little confusing, but I like to give education on means of personal style and how Mm. that can be expressed through fashion. And I've worked within like the fashion industry for years now. So it's something that I like to give back as well. Yes. And I'm also Liberian American. Yes. Let them know all <laughs> the facets. Okay. Because she's multifaceted. Yes. Um, Perrine, I would love for you to share in whatever way you deem fit how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I'll let Adina come in because I don't want to, I want her to come in while we yeah. realize it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay so the question was um and you can answer this in whatever way makes you feel most comfortable but how did you get to where you are today all right so how I got to where I am today a lot of prayer a lot Mm. of support and Mm. a lot of optimism yeah determination so I am the youngest of six kids I am probably i would say <laughs> they would shade me the most creative of my yes. my siblings oh, um yeah. but yeah so i grew up in a household a liberian household that was very education driven right mm. so my father was a professor of agriculture at the north carolina A&T state university of yes. greensboro Aggie pride. yes Aggie pride <laughs> and my mother was an assistant teacher at an elementary school that mm. i actually attended and so um growing up with two people that were just very big on education was something that was obviously very embedded mm. within me and like my siblings and so i also think just being a first generation american period it gives you a different perspective, right? It's allowing you to kind of see through a lens of this is an opportunity that you can't take for granted. You know, we came from a country from a civil war that faced Mm. all of these different obstacles and we want for you to make the best of this opportunity as well. It's like your parents wanting the most for you and you kind of maybe realizing that at a young age, but it becomes even more apparent the older you get. And so that was something I never really think I forgot. But being the youngest was interesting because I felt like I kind of took in everything from my siblings and Mm. I tried to like outdo them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And became extra, (laughs) even more extra. Um, I'm a very extra person. Me too. I'll join you. Yes. I mean, we're we're fun. We're we're driven (laughs) and all the things, all the things. And so, um, yeah, so just growing up, I think that... You know, I had such great role models and people Mm. that really pushed us. And when my father passed away, um, I was nine years old. And Mm. that was very hard, but it showed me, one, the strength that my mother had and has today. Um, Having a very strong woman 
in your life and her presence, I think really pushed us and kind of showed me if, you know, if my mom could do this, I can do X, Y, Z. Yeah. It really drove me a lot. But then also the legacy of my father, my father was so giving and just, you know, he was a professor, but he was a musician and he was someone who was, when you say hard worker, like to the extreme, like my father, it's kind of eerie in a sense because I think he knew that his time here on earth was not very long. Mm. Um, but my father would, he had like two additional part-time jobs in addition to being a professor. He would fry chicken at a restaurant with his students part-time after teaching them, um, at night. And then after that would go around our neighborhood and sell his records because he Mm. was a musician. He would play music with the saw, the actual saw that you used to saw things. things. He made a musical instrument out of it. Very, very creative. Wow. Um, So in addition to all of that, I think that also just kind of showed me, you know, have, you know, the drive. Don't let go of any certain passions you have, regardless Mm -hmm. of what your path is. Because I felt like my father still stayed true to who he was and the things that made him who he was. Yeah. Um, And he kind of knew his responsibility and he kind of kept that focus Mm -hmm. and so I try to just kind of embody all of that as much as I can yeah wow wow and it just seems like there's a lot of resilience in your family yeah and that you get to like inherit that and then like spread that through the creative work that you do I try I try to (laughs) so um can you share with us what you do by day yeah so by day I work for creative marketing for Belk headquarters and so yeah my mom would literally (laughs) stalk you if she knew because she loves Belk oh my gosh don't worry all like my friends moms (laughs) do and I give them coupons and all the things and I think that's why they love me more it's fine (laughs) I'm glad my mom is probably not listening to this because she would pester me listen tell her I got her like I love you guys I got her coupons on deck deal but so I, um, I'm a marketing coordinator with Belk, and I've been with them for about four years now. And when I first started with Belk, I was a creative project manager, and I did like a lot with a campaign that we had that also encompassed styling musicians, and Ooh. it was like a very like not I wouldn't say random, but a very fun job. Um, yeah. I was over a campaign that tried to target like a younger customer at Belk through like music festivals, fashion shows a music competition that I like helped create like the actual live auditions, like almost wow. like American Idol. It's kind of oh weird, but gosh. really fun. So it's really, really fun. Um, but that job really, I think, um, helped me utilize all the skills that I kind of grabbed from um, my master's degree. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD, Atlanta. That's where I got my MFA. You better and so SCAD. <laughs> I'm a SCADdy. Shout out to the SCADdies. Buzz, buzz with the bees. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing, but yeah. It is um, now. I'm so going to make that a thing. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> and so, not to be confused with the beehive. Yeah. Um, and so, it was cool because that job, um, I actually received that job while I was living in New York and trying to figure out my life. And mm-hmm. I had gotten a job with like a agency and I was going to be like an account manager there. And my friend who was a class member at SCAD was like, hey, I don't know if you ever thought about coming back to the South. And I'm like, nah, girl, I'm in New York living my best life. What you mean? Yeah. And so, but when I learned more about the role and all the different opportunities that it had, it really was eye-opening for me because I was like, whoa, I think I can really grow and learn so much in this role and really utilize what I learned at SCAD. Mm. So I took that job. I was in that job for about two years. Then I... um 
became more of like a fashion coordinator stylist like specifically yeah. and honed in more of like my creative skill with belt mm-hmm. for another year or so mm-hmm. so all of our different um print catalogs and promotions i help style those are e-commerce and social media as well yeah and then i um i've always loved marketing and branding and that's kind of the path that i've always wanted to go within and so I was able to get an opportunity um, solely with our creative marketing team as a marketing coordinator Mm -hmm. and so I do a lot of research with all of our different holiday campaigns and kind of analyze what all of our competitors are doing Um, like let's say I've already planned Valentine's Day for 2020 for instance right Uh so kind of show like what a whole bunch of different people have done in the past like how we can target our customer on social media on e-commerce email print etc like coming up with new strategies Mm -hmm. so i do that and then sometimes i style our instagram too um i did that for a while like just by myself with belk and that was really fun so that's my nine to five that (laughs) is awesome and you do yes but no but it was good it was a good long answer it was a thorough answer so i would love to know what is the most important lesson that you've learned and how did you learn it This isn't work-related. This is just most important. Yeah, this is most important. So the most important lesson that I learned or have learned thus far in life is that you may not be able to control your emotions, but you can always control how you react to a situation. Mm -mm. Right? You better go there. And that has been something that has grounded me in so many different ways because um, I am a very... I'm in tune with my emotions. Yeah. I, I don't want to push it to the stereotypical Gemini, but I am very in tune with my emotions and things. Um, but yeah. I think for a very long time, something would happen, whether it be negative or positive, and mm-hmm. I might just kind of react very like off the hinge and very, you know, in the yeah. moment um, without maybe stopping and thinking and then processing, processing really, yeah, and then going to the next step. And so that's something that I really live by because I feel that it allows you to give yourself grace. That has been my motto that I have been kind of preaching to like all of my friends for like the past season. You know, in (laughs) in church terms, we like to say season. You go through a season. Correct. So this season, (laughs) this isn't like about spring. This is my season. Just the season, yeah. I just like to, I've been really, really reiterating giving yourself grace. Mm. And that, I think, works in contrast or just, um, it correlates well with, you know, my, what I've learned with the whole um, emotions and how you react. Because I think that we become so harsh on ourselves and Mm. you might look back in your past and say, oh, I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have reacted X, Y, Z, but you have to be able to learn from it. And you have to be able to then say that, okay, I'm not going to do that next time. And you just learn and you grow. So I think that's very important. Yes, I like got really excited when you said that because I'm so passionate about teaching people about their emotions and like it like, drives me absolutely insane when people like post little like memes or quotes on Instagram that are like, you know, like boss up or like don't let your emotions control you and all this stuff. And I feel like when people, like I think being able to say like, no, I'm not gonna do that again is such a valuable step and commitment to make to yourself and to Mm -hmm. the people that you're in community with. Mm -hmm. But also to say, 
I'm going to figure out why this emotion is here. Yes. Like, I remember my therapist telling me, emotions are the check engine light of the soul. Come on. Okay, that so good. if you're angry, your job is not to just say, I'm going to stop being angry yes. or I need to, you know, cheer up very quickly. Your job is to open up the hood and figure out why that anger is there. And she was regularly like, you know, Kobe, you always try to like jump to the resolution stage of feeling emotions. Like you want whatever that emotion is to just be mm-hmm, resolved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the reality is you're not supposed to just resolve it. How can you resolve yes. something when you don't know the cause of it? Come on. When you don't know what yes. it's attached to and when you don't know what it's trying to communicate to you. You know, you can't end the conversation until both sides have communicated what they need yes. to communicate. Um, and if you do, it's dysfunctional. Yes. And there's miscommunication. And, and I just think there's so many people out here who, like, feel angry, sad, frustrated. Yes. And then they run to, like, you know, something to immediately gratify, gratify them so they can just be like, I'm not angry anymore. I'm not sad anymore. I'm not upset anymore. Mm-hmm. When really, like, the true and honest work is saying, why did that piss me off? Yes. Going deeper. Yes. Why did that frustrate me? Okay, yes. this person did that, and what did it make me feel, yes. one, and that what does that say about me? Exactly. You know, and just having to, like, ask those hard questions, because, like, I'm very similar. I'm, I <laughs> definitely used to be the fly-off-the-hinge kind of person, mm-hmm. um, and then having to say, like, okay, why did that make me feel frustrated? Yes. Okay, I didn't feel heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does not feeling heard hurt? Well, I feel like in really important times in my life, I try to communicate what I needed and people weren't listening. Yes. And so now when I have a need, my need is like, listen, girl, you got to scream for this. okay? if they're going to hear you and they're going to fulfill those needs, you might need to raise your voice a little bit. And like having to say like, oh, so now that I know that that cause is there, Mm -hmm. being able to like, you know, say to whoever it is, whether it be my sister or my parents or my husband, like. Just asking them, like, hey, are you committed to be, this is what I need for you, yeah. from you. Are you committed to, like, offering me that? Yes. And so when I get that angry, responding to that anger with, like, it's resolved. Yes. Oh like, gosh, I know you, so that I know that pattern is, like, ingrained because, like, people don't understand, like, that the neurological pathways that are created by habit can be changed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, oh, but it takes consistent intervention. Yes, and understanding. Yes, <laughs> yes, it takes consistent intervention, which, you know, yeah. understanding precedes that intervention to right. be able to say, okay, Kobe, he left the seat up. He almost <laughs> fell in, but it's okay because he already let you know that he did not mean to. So this is not a personal attack, right. though it feels personal. Right. It is not a personal attack. So what we're going to do is we're going to put the seat down. Yes. We're going to get some Lysol. <laughs> we're going to sit down. We're going to do our business, and we're going to go back to sleep, okay? Yep. Um, and so yes. <laughs> just being able to, yeah, once you said, like, giving yourself grace and being able to, like, be have that emotional awareness and, like, not mm-hmm. having to obey your emotions but having to listen to them. Yes. You know, like when your kid screams at you or if any kid screams at you, (laughs) mind you, period, you don't got to listen to what they ask you to do, but you got to listen to what they're trying to communicate. Yep. You know? No, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And something you mentioned before, um, when you mentioned like 
things that like annoy you or bother you when you see like the boss up, like mm-hmm. leave your emotions at the door kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like that's also such a negative connotation towards women yes. because you're saying that you cannot be a woman in leadership or a boss or you cannot be, you know, whatever yeah. because you're so emotional and it's just yeah. also like just that very horrible stigma that we give women and yep. us being in tune with our emotions and having emotions is not a bad thing. Yep. I'm so sick of that being looked upon as yeah. a negative thing. It's not a negative thing at all. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's been so, I think, dragged for so long and it's yep. just something we have to let go of. Yep, we have to let go of it because it's funny because I think that oftentimes, and really this happens with black women too, and I've been mm. processing this, so hopefully it all comes out normally. <laughs> but... Um, I've been thinking about how oftentimes people think that women can only serve women and that black people can only serve black people. Yep. So as a black woman, I can only serve black women. Mm-hmm. And and it's been interesting because I kind of unintentionally just kind of fell into that little trope when I created the healing circle. Yeah. You know, I was just like, oh, this is for black women. This is awesome. And, and like, there's definitely the need. So like that is definitely something that is at the forefront. But it's been amazing the last couple of months to have white men come to me and say like, hey, like I want to see you. Yeah. Like I want to be a client. And me being like, (laughs) (laughs) with all these non-melanated options, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out (laughs) what brought you here. I mean, that just speaks to your reach though. And Mm. that speaks to your relatability and your um actual ability to be so i don't know just like open and again just relatable and people Mm. everyone takes to that and everyone takes to authenticity okay Mm, authenticity all day because we can smell it a mile away i think we can even though we live in this world of just like overexposure and um oversharing and things i think that we can still genuinely decipher what's genuine and what's not yeah what's real and what's not so that's why i think your base is going to continue to expand and i'm so excited about it Mm, thank you personally (laughs) let me get a little (laughs) and it's funny that you say that because i had like you know people say be authentic be authentic and like Mm -hmm. as you someone who's passionate about branding i'd love to hear like your point of view on this Mm -hmm. but i feel like you and literally just a handful of other people that i see in social spaces and in digital social spaces or social media Mm -hmm. um i feel like there's only a handful of people that i can see uh, maintain a brand that is congruent with authenticity Mm -hmm. and not with um this like stoic, distant, robotic mm-hmm. uh, persona, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And like just having to like figure out not just like online brand, because I think that oftentimes in real life we, we're a brand ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what I enjoy most about myself and the brand that I'm trying to develop mm-hmm. is that I'm just like a human being. Yes. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like, I like, I I like tried the whole, like every single thing is perfectly branded. It has the exact same colors and da da da. And it's like, what connects me to people is that like, I'm just a human, (laughs) you know, like I'm just a human being and I embrace vulnerability even when it's really uncomfortable um, and it's hard and 
because you're someone I admire and I feel like that's something that I've seen like not in person and in person, I would just love to know like what your process was of developing like your brand Mm -hmm. as a person and as, you know, this style mentor, this podcaster, you know, this, this whole person, you genuinely have so many like things that fall under your brand. And I would just love for you to share with our listeners what it means to have an authentic brand, um, that's still a brand, Mm -hmm. especially because I feel like there are a lot of people who are harming their own mental health, trying to be inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Like, let me get everything (laughs) so perfect that I, that I no longer am myself so that I can get the emotional validation from people I do not even know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that I may have been one of those people. Like, I know Mm. for sure, like, in high school, I was one of those, like, perfectionist people Um, from the jump. I know that that was who I was. Like, I was student body president. I was a cheerleader. I was involved in all these different clubs. I did the most. Like, I did all these things, but I also think I did them in, like, a lens of trying to hold it all together for a certain perception. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I think has changed from who I was then and through college and grad school and just becoming the woman that I am now is that I think I've just been able to find comfort in myself and um, just forgive myself for any previous... I don't want to say like obsession um, over like the perfectionism and whatnot, but I think I did have to just say like, why, you know, you mm. have to then take a step back and say like, why, why am I doing this? Exactly what you said. And who am yeah. I doing it for? Mm. And when I finally, I think got to that point where I was just fed up of doing things for other people and what I thought other people's expectation of me was, Go that's there. when I became Perrine. Yeah. That's when I became me because yeah. I then I got tired of boxes because mm. people were always just saying, oh, like you can't do too many things because oh then God. people are going to think blah, blah, blah. And you need I, as to be a, focused. Right. And as a brander, I get that. Right. Yeah. And as a marketer, I understand that you need to do things well. But I also understand that you can't ignore the elements of you that make you you. Mm. And when you suppress those things and you're not filling those voids and maybe you're like on one track and only doing that nine to five every day and still feel unfulfilled, you're going to be in that rut until you do it. So you have to find the means to, to balance it and to time manage it. And I think I've always been really great with time management. Mm. Um, That's allowed me to, I think continuously do the things I love, but to um, maybe one day it's about the podcast and first gens and maybe another day it's about, you know, a fashion swap I'm hosting or something. Um, But it's at the end of the day, it's me focusing on all those things equally Mm -hmm. that make me me and make me whole. Because I think when I didn't feel whole was because I was letting things be negated and left by the wayside. So I think it it is a balancing act and it's a lot. But when you're passionate about certain things and you love it, Um, and we were talking about this as a podcaster, this is, you know, like when you start out, we're going on season three of first gens, right? And so they're essentially OGs (laughs) in the game. Okay. Uh, Almost. I still feel very rookie. (laughs) Um, very rookie, but I think that, um, one, 
it is a passion project, okay? Mm. So first, it's it's passion. This is something I love. Cultural identity is something I am beyond passionate about and yeah. something I've always been so intrigued with, with all of my friends who may have been Dominican, Filipino, Turkish, or wherever they were from. I always found that we had such similar upbringings and have such a certain perception, again, on this American dream life. Yeah. And so um, it was just important to share that. And I think when you, one, you're listening to yourself and you're listening to, okay, what truly makes me happy, but then you're also listening to other people and you're listening to genuinely, like, who they are and what they share. And then you're able to help like I just I'm very much so I think a person who wants to be a resource for other people and if I can then utilize and scrounge up all these things that I've kind of acquired over the years because I was a broadcast journalism you know major in undergrad like I have a degree in broadcast journalism (laughs) so as a journalist she literally can do anything (laughs) that you need anyways so as a journalist right like in journalism school you're learning about you have a story on education crisis in the south or something right so what do you do you you wreck your brain and you research everything about education in the south and so journalists are very well versed on a lot of different random things and so i felt like that fed into my personality pretty well um but i kind of use that same mindset to then um utilize all the things that i've kind of absorbed and i want to be able to then not hide those i want to be able to share those yes and i think something so important that like was underlying in everything you said um and you correct me if i'm wrong is that like when you started walking in authenticity and passion yeah. and in purpose it connected you to other people Ooh, purpose girl purpose yes. yeah like it, it connects you to other people and i think yeah. that a lot of people are like trying to build beyond social media in real life trying to build like this life that is like a brand yeah. of something that is going to isolate them yeah. and like things die in isolation yes you know things don't flourish when they're alone the connection is necessary for every single area of our lives yeah. and um I think that I, yeah, I just admire you because I just feel like you don't, you don't follow the rules. <laughs> you know, I, like, I really feel like you just do, you just do what you want. And like, I, you can feel that in person in online, you can experience that. And I think that that's something that so many people need, a need a model for is like, they're trying to do exactly what someone else did. Yeah. Girl, if you look, don't sign up for that webinar. <laughs> don't sign up for the, how I did it webinar. Okay. Don't sign up for how I got, you know, how I made my first million dollars, whatever don't like. Yes. It just beyond the idea that like, and obviously you don't have to go to school for this, but for Mm -hmm. me, I have a lot of pride. Mm -hmm. So if you learned how to do it on your own, I'm sure I can learn how to do it on my own. And so I truly believe in myself. No, but that's real. And my, like you said, you, you were really good at time management and my time is very valuable to me. So I'm not going to sit there and listen to you explain what your story and how you got there for 45 minutes when I could have been halfway through learning (laughs) my first thing. No, but seriously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like beyond that, I think that just a lot of people are reali- aren't realizing that they want success mm-hmm. so bad mm-hmm. that they don't actually care how they get there. Yep. And so everybody's this, everybody's that. Or they're losing themselves because they're trying to replicate something else. And you're not even paying attention to who you are. So the first thing 
is getting to know you yeah. and who you really are and what what drives you, what fuels you, what are you going to do for free yeah. <laughs> and yeah. still be fed. Yes, and still feel valued and, and still, still left. feel valued because yes. everything else will come, right? Mm. I'm not like, not worried about that. Like the work that I do is so much more valuable when I hear someone randomly say that, like I was talking to a coworker who I didn't even know listened to first gens, right? Um, a white male queer, you know, man who was just talking to me and he was like, Oh my gosh, I was listening to one of your episodes and I know that, you know, culturally we're very different, but it just reminded me how different I always felt from like my family or from like my peers and not being able to express like, mm. you know, this is who I am and cultural identity is so similar to X, Y, Z. And like, yeah. we just had like a random like conversation. And I was like, mm. wow, like he was able to pull something from this. Right. Yeah. And that alone means so much more to me than a like or a this yes. or that like if people can get something out of something and sometimes it's things that we don't even realize we need or things yes. that we don't even realize we can connect with because surface level they seem so out the box from mm. us but there's so much we can learn from each other like we yes. have so many parallels that until we sit down and we talk and utilize the power of communication and dialogue, we're just going to Mm-mm-mm. be stagnant. So we have to listen. Yes. And that is something I think a lot of creatives overall, yeah. like, and I think that's also another thing I admire about you is like, you have a nine to five, but you are a creative through and through and no one can deny that. And I love that about you. Um, but a lot, I think a lot of creatives have gotten to this place, especially cause like, we just don't have like any delay of gratification anymore. It's like, I'm a creative. I just started working on my craft. I need to be at the top now. I need to get there now. And then like the mental and emotional strain that is put on them physically, emotionally, psychologically, Mm -hmm. that then stifles their creativity, which makes them want to run to these templates and these standards that are not theirs to adhere to in the first place so that they can get to the top. But the point of enjoying Enjoying whatever your top is, yes. is that on the way you have dispersed purpose at every single stage. Yes. You know, oh, that's so it. And it's that's like you can't so disperse your the purpose that has been like deposited in you right. to other people if all you're doing is following other people's templates. And exactly. I think that that's why like a lot of people and not giving like obviously a very simplistic um, answer to anxiety and depression, but like mm-hmm. I think that there's so many people who are in their 20s and 30s discovering mm-hmm. who they are as people mm-hmm. and like we've been taught to like do this do this do this and like talking to my clients and being like you're a creative mm-hmm. like you you know like you're very innovative let's let's explore that yes. let's talk about how we can embrace that and it's like no but I'm an academic advisor so I just need to go to work do my job come home and it's like having to teach people mm-hmm. how to allow themselves to heal yeah. by being their authentic selves and realizing that like in the moments where I've slipped into like, oh, that apathy is showing up. And I know that yeah. comes right before that dark stage, like realizing that like God has given me this gift within myself to create that allows like healing. I kind of yeah. think of it of how like when you get a paper cut, you know, by the end of the day, it's already starting to heal up yeah. because your body like without you consciously thinking it's healing up that space with what it has. And like us as creatives, like when we utilize our gifts, when we just function naturally in the gifts that we have, like 
our bodies, our souls can begin to heal up those parts that are broken, those parts that are strange and those parts that are fragmented. But on the other hand, similarly, when your body is stressed, it takes a longer time for it to heal basic wounds. Yes. Ugh, you just went there because <laughs> I um, I really went through a very difficult dark season. I know again, bringing back the se- the theme of seasons, yeah, um, a very dark one. Um, about two years ago, so I had a very like bad breakup, mm. and I was um, in a very dark place where I felt like I had a certain plan aligned for me and yeah that did you know actually include him in that but it also I had certain goals and things that I wanted to achieve and I was like kind of left unexpectedly like on my ass like Mm. I was I did not have a home I did not have somewhere to live like I was crashing on a friend's blow-up mattress just Mm. like Lawrence from Insecure yes Yes. that was me for a little bit except for you took showers hopefully yeah uh, all the showers yes okay um (laughs) (laughs) definitely but like I was going through like a very dark situation where Mm. I've always struggled with anxiety um and I've always loved psychology because I just wanted to kind of figure out more reasons as to why and why I feel and think this way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always suffered from just very horrible anxiety. And I think that all of that played into me creatively um, or maybe the things that I used to create because I would become so obsessed with audio quality or Mm. the perfect picture or this and that because it all kind of came up and so all of those were already things that I had kind of suppressed within like you know who I was as Mm -hmm. a person and when I went through that difficult time period it was it was probably the best thing that could have happened for me in so many ways of my life because I did finally get into therapy. Mm. It was something that had always, you know, like, you know, heard about and I was like an advocate for it, but I never went, I didn't have a therapist. I talked about. That is the case for so many. Yeah. So like, I was just like, you know what? Like I was at work one day and I was like, maybe bawling tears like for like the fifth time that day and like one of my coworkers like reminded me of a resource that we had mm. and I was like oh my gosh I need to do this and like that same week I saw like my black female therapist Latoya yeah. for the first time yes, Latoya. and she used everything but it was it was just great because she just helped me process and work through it all and sometimes we just I think we as black women specifically, Mm. we put so much of a burden on ourselves because we're taught that we're supposed to be strong. You know, again, I said I have a very strong mother, but my mom just revealed to me for the first time, my father passed away over 20 years ago. She revealed to me that, you know, she's the strong friend. My mom is the strong friend. Mm -hmm. But she was just saying how um, all her friends that are going through things, she's always there to talk to them or whatever. But, like, they don't realize that when my father was sick in the hospital, like, my father was in a coma for nine months, Mm -hmm. my mother said that she would get up every morning, cry on the way to the hospital. She'd go be strong for my father. She'd leave the hospital, cry on her way to work. When she got to work, pulled herself together. After work, she cried on her way home came, pulled herself together for us for dinner, X, Y, Z, and would cry herself asleep. And she did that as a cycle for Mm. like a year or two years. Mm -hmm. She was like, no one knew that that's what I was going through. No one knew that's what happened to me, but I had to grieve and I had to process it. And that's what I did. And so um, I just think that 
we, we just need to be reminded that we don't have to be the quote unquote strong one. We don't have to be that strong person. It's okay yeah. to go through it. We all have to go through it and we yeah. all have to process in our own different ways yeah. um, how we face trauma, whether it's new or decades, you know, before. Yeah. So it's just, again, that whole giving yourself grace, it's so important. Yeah, and letting people observe your grief. Yeah. Like, there's, a, like, this, you know, unspoken rule in the black community that you can be sad just not in front of people. Yes. Like, get it together. Go do that somewhere else. Do that in the privacy of, like, your own space. Yeah. But, like, just the beauty and the power that comes from letting someone observe you in your weakest state yeah because not only do they observe your grief they observe your needs too you know because everyone grieves differently and the way that we grieve always expresses our deepest needs yes and like when we don't let other people see us grieve we can't expect people to fill the depths of depths of those needs that we have yeah yeah I, i mean i it just, I'm. Thank you for sharing that about your mother, because yeah. I think that it's so easy to grow up and feel like our parents were like these <laughs> stoic human beings yes. who who had it all together and never feel anything. Yeah. But like realizing that like they they felt and expressed differently, and yes. they're you know allowed to do that. And you know, even you saying that like you were sad and and you just like you said that that was one of the best times. And best things for you mm-hmm. the best of times the worst of times yeah. yes both of those <laughs> both of those it it's was. such a powerful thing because so many people try to skip over grief mm-hmm. but grief and sadness um like it's grief and sadness are think of an hourglass mm-hmm. right and and the top of the hourglass is completely full and mm-hmm. the bottom of the hourglass is completely empty yep. and it takes as much time as it needs to to get each grain of sand to the other side of the hourglass but what's specific about grief and sadness um that differentiates it from other emotions is that when we turn away from it it stops moving yeah when we don't give it attention yep that sand stops moving yes and so however long whether it's a day whether it's a week whether it's decades um however long it takes for us to give ourselves permission to give our griefs that full attention is however long it's going to take us to grieve. And that's why there are so many people in their fifties and sixties grieving things that happened to them when they're seven and eight years old because they never looked at it. (laughs) You know, they keep turning away from the hourglass. And so it keeps stopping, you know? And so I remember when I tell you guys, I, so part of the reason why I talk about my experience in therapy Mm-hmm. all the time is because it drives me insane when people in helping professions act like they don't need help. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, let, let me tell y'all, yes. I be in therapy, okay? Yeah, because um, you're human <laughs> yes, too. <laughs> yes, I am. And I still need help healing. Yeah. And knowing how to heal logically does not always give you the ability to offer that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just need it from somebody else. Um, That's true. But my therapist was like, you need to set aside, you know, I was going through a hard time. And she was like, you need to set aside a time every week to grieve. Yeah. Like, you need to, like, turn off your phone, turn off the TV, don't do anything. Don't, you know, go to the grocery store. Don't, don't listen to a podcast. Don't listen to music. Sit there and let yourself feel sad for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Cry it out. If tears come, let them come. If they don't, fine. But then move on because that way your body and your mind get to know like, hey, the hourglass is moving right now. And when that sand is gone, it's gone. Yes. So I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let a little bit go right now. 
gonna let a little bit go right now. And I know next week I'm going to do it. And I've built that consistency into allowing myself to grieve and let that sadness run out. Because one day I'm going to come back and make that space and it's not going to be there anymore. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Mm. And it's also so important that um, as a Christian woman that we don't get caught up. Again, like the whole notion of you can't do it alone. I think has to be reiterated in so many different means. Like we need, like I need Christ, but I also need a therapist. Okay. Like I, I think that for so long, like the Christian community specifically has kind of been like, Oh, just pray it away or just fast it away or just, and yes, those things are great and they do help healing, but some some people need more yeah and that's okay like it's not it shouldn't be looked at at all as a negative and that's something that's always kind of i don't know that i've always kind of carried with me that you need both yeah healing is (laughs) so well-rounded and those are things that help you prepare for and develop clarity for what needs to be healed yes right like in prayer you will develop clarity about what needs to be touched like they work um, together yeah yeah you know and being able to be in a place where you're not just saying like i'm gonna pray it away like i was just at a forum this past week Mm -hmm. and the moderator was like you know, it's really interesting that mental health is always associated with spirituality, but our physical health is never, like, experiences the same thing. No one says, like, you have a cold, just pray it away. That's so real. Like, people forget that our brain is an organ. Yes. It's a part of our bodies that can develop sickness. Wow. And it's like, no one, like, oh, you stubbed your toe, you just pray it away, you will be fine. No. You need treatment for Right, right. And the connection that we have with each other is not just something that we should have it's something that's necessary in our lives as women as believers as creatives because god has deposited a part of himself that you will only get through the people that he's designed you to be around yes period period (laughs) (laughs) didn't want to hand me period (laughs) yeah yeah um it just i think that this episode was is something that is going to touch a lot of creatives specifically. And that is something that makes me feel really glad because I think that oftentimes creatives, black women who are creatives in Christ often get like, we're just such a a niche community that it's like, who are you? What are you doing? You know, and and like that struggle for mental health, especially in such an unseen community can be really hard to deal with. You don't know. be afraid to ask for help and don't feel like you have to I think there's always like a stigma to create it through um or that comes through like making something out of pain or like when you're going through like darkness like that's the best time to create uh not necessarily like and yeah. that then also shouldn't mean like that's the only time you create I think that there's so many more means and things that bring us joy that mm. can then trigger so much more Um, Mm. As far as, like, creative outlets and just utilizing, like, a variety of different creative outlets to kind of then fulfill and make you whole. And so just don't limit yourself. You answered the question. I was good to ask you. I was going to say. So I always say that we are, people are like, how do you take care of your mental health? And I think that that's 
not a bad mm-hmm. question. I think it's the wrong question because yeah. we're always mitigating our physical health. When yeah. we're thirsty, we drink water. When we're right. hungry, we eat food. It's not like, how do you take care of your physical health? We're just always doing it <laughs> by habit. It. Like, we're responding to needs that constantly are popping up. Yeah. And I was going to say to you as a creative, like, how do you do that for yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally? Yeah, so as a creative, the way I take care of my mental health is that I, um, I connect, like, physical um activity to that as well because i realize that sometimes i just feel very heavy yeah um and that has nothing to do with my weight but it's just um whatever may be happening in the day like just with work um it might wear on me a little and so um i love yoga i do yoga at least once a week um but then i also like um like I am blessed. Like at Belk, like we do have a gym, like in our headquarters, and oh, that's awesome. we have like a YMCA trainer that like mm-hmm. we can schedule stuff with. Tour. So like I see like my trainer Tanisha, and she's life, good and Tanisha. she like helps me so much, and it's just a good time to just decompress. <laughs> I'm not thinking about again like my anxiety is not kicking in, and then I feel like when I leave work, I go work out, and then I go home to then continue creating and mm. making whatever I'm making. Yeah. My head is so much lighter because I just yeah. don't feel so weighed down from any drama that happened during that work day. Yeah. It's like I'm able to utilize that time as like a buffer to like restart and reset yep. and I can approach something better. Yeah. But then I feel that um, like just like emotionally again, like trying not to be so obsessed with a perfect outcome for something. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we think is perfect or what we think is not perfect, someone else is thinking People it's a like, masterpiece. Yes. And it's just like, you know, that's amazing. So again, like you have to be able to like take a step back and um, allow it to happen and really just, you know, again, think about like the intentions behind it. Um, and if yeah. you know that you're going to positively, you know, impact someone else or something else, just know that that at the end of the day is what it's about and what's most important. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thank you, Perrine. Thank you so so much for joining us on the Healing Circle thank podcast. You for yes, she's me. genuinely yeah. one of my faves. <laughs> you guys keep up <laughs> with First Gen's podcast. They're yes. coming out with season three, Woo-hoo. the complexity of complexions. It's gonna be amazing. I'm so excited to yeah. listen and to tune in. So follow Perrine at. You can follow me at FirstGens, <laughs> that's the number one, S-T-G-E-N-S, or you can follow me on my personal account. It's my name, Perrine DeShield. Yes, it's an odd name. Um, it's it's spelled name. P as in Paul. Thank you. P as in Paul, <laughs> E-R-R-I-N-E, D as in David, E-S-H-I-E-L-D. Hit me up. Yes, you have definitely had process telling that before, haven't you? Uh, well, whenever we do our credits for FirstGens, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> make sure you find us at. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, We'll see you soon or we'll hear from you soon or really you'll hear from us soon um, until the circle comes back around. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, I feel like Perrine just shared so much wisdom. I hope that this contributed to your healing process. If you live in North Carolina or if you don't, you definitely do not want to miss out on the work that Perrine is doing, whether it comes to her personal brand and the events she's having in the community or the conversation she's starting through her podcast, First Gens. Um, Everybody rate, review, subscribe so that other people can find the podcast so that they can, you know, get a little healing in their day on their way to work, on the way home from work, at work. Um, If you want to stay connected to what the Healing Circle is doing in the community, specifically in Wilmington, North Carolina, make sure to stay connected on Instagram, stay connected on my personal Instagram. Um, All this will be in the show notes. Um, And to make sure to stay connected on the website, www.kchealingcircle.com. Our group therapy for women of color started on Monday, but it's not too late to join. So make sure to contact me, shoot me an email or register through the website and come heal with us. Thanks for listening, guys, until the circle comes back around. Bye.